You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, wonderful to see you. Really good. Um, it's always amazing for me to come to Coventry. I love it here. And you guys are like family. Um, I almost uh, brought my son, which made me remember a great thing that happened. My son's called Jordan. And I read this book that um, I remember it was an American book. And it basically talked about how this American preacher used to take his son everywhere he went. And his son used to sit on the front row and he used to just like applaud his dad. And he would say, wow, dad, one day I want to be just like you. And I'm reading this book thinking, I want that, yeah? I want that for me. And he said, is it okay if I call you sir? He wanted to call his dad sir. I'm like, I want that, yeah? I want my son. So I remember when Jordan was 15, I started to take him to a few different places. And we went to this event in Birmingham. There were about 2,000 people. Jordan was sitting on the front row. And I preached and it went pretty well. And then at the end, the organizer said, we've got a little side room where the leaders are going to be. There's about 80 leaders that are going to come to that room. Would you answer some questions? I'm like, that's cool. So I, I go down and I said, Jordan, we've got to go into this side room. Jordan's like, oh. He's like, oh, dad, another meeting. And I'm like, just come on, come on. So we go in and he sits down, there's 80 leaders. And I notice a little table with tea and coffee. And while I'm answering these questions, I just say in front of all these leaders, I say, hey, son, how about you jump up and get your dad a coffee? And in front of all these leaders, my son said, how about you jump up and get it yourself? <laughs> Well, there was like a synchronized buttock clench, yeah? Everyone in the room was like, mm-hmm. and uh, about 40 people went to get me coffee, which was, was very embarrassing, yeah? So on the way home, I'm like, Jordan, come on, come on. What do you mean, how about you jump up and get it yourself? Come on. And my son looked at me and says, Dad, God has told me to keep you humble. It's like, wow, wow. Well, I says, well, that's great because God has told me to keep you in poverty. So it's all going to work out just right. It's all going to work out well. Well, um, I know you guys pray for me, and I'm so appreciative of that. Um, I've just got back from the Edinburgh Fringe. And um, I've been there right in the center, right um, next to the Edinburgh Castle, and I've been doing my show for um, six nights called Mark Ritchie, Too Close for Comfort. And uh, lots of people ask me why I'm doing that. Edinburgh Fringe is like the largest comedy festival in the world. Why are you doing that? And the reason I'm doing that is because when I was a young lad, 15, 16, I used to go up to the comedy festival because I lived in Musselburgh, just outside Edinburgh. I used to go up there and I used to see comedians absolutely ripping the name of Jesus to shreds. I saw people mocking our faith and absolutely abusing the Christian faith. And I remember sitting there as a young 15-year-old saying, one day, 
I'm going to be on that stage and I am going to lift up the name of Jesus. I'm going to lift up his name. And uh, wow, what a privilege to do that. I have never been as bold as I was this year. And right there in that venue, I was talking about Jesus dying on the cross. I was talking about the gospel. I was giving it the full thing. And we had an amazing time. And, you know, I really believed that I was a light in a dark place. There was a lot of horrendous things going on around us. But we were there, a light in a dark place. Praise God. Um, but we did have one of the, I did obviously get a little bit of kind of the, obviously it's a comedy festival. So you get like, you know, people shouting out, a little bit of heckling. Hopefully there's not going to be any today. Um, I got the weirdest heckle I think I've ever had in my whole life, this fringe. I was talking about food and we were all chatting about food and it was little funnies. And then suddenly this guy near the back, now Scottish people are not exactly well known for their wonderful food, you know? We have things like deep fried Mars bars, yeah? That is like our big thing. And um, we have haggis, which is just like horrendous. And uh, Scotland are like, it's amazing. It's not amazing, yeah? Yeah? If you bite into your arm, see what that tastes like. That's what haggis tastes like, yeah? And um, basically, I'm there thinking, what's this guy going to shout? This guy near the back. And I promise you, this is what he shouts out. He went, hey, I've got a food tip for you. And I says, what's that? He says, always put a little bit of salt in your pot noodle. Always put a little bit of salt in your... I mean, what is that? I mean, pot noodles are horrible, right? Who's there going, mm, it's just missing something, yeah? It's missing, just missing a little bit of salt. So I decided, right, that's it. I'm going to write the directions on the side of a pot noodle, right? I'm now going to write the instructions, and it says, step one, take back the thing, take out the little sachet in the pot. Step two, yeah, you fill the boiling water up to the line. Everybody know what I'm chatting about? Yeah, yeah. Step three, leave for two minutes. That's what you've got to do, leave it for two minutes. Step four, whilst it's leaving it for two minutes, have a think to yourself, why has my life got to such a low level that I am about to eat a chicken and mushroom pot noodle, yeah? That's what I'm giving you as a step, yeah? Step number four, yeah, get the pot noodle, stick it in the bin. Step number five, get yourself a Greg sausage roll. Come on. That should be on the side of every pot noodle. Don't you agree? Don't you agree? I want to... And people are going, is that in the Bible? I'm trying to find that in the Bible. I cannot see that. Is that in John or in Matthew? John chapter 8, verse 36. And this is what the words, and powerful and incredible words. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You know, I want to just unpack this for a few moments about what Jesus means when he talks about being free. It's like easy for us words just to kind of, kind of come out of our self-conscious. We've seen them before. Maybe you've heard them before. And maybe you've been in church before and you've thought, yeah, of course, freedom, Jesus, I get it. But what does it actually mean when Jesus says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed? The first thing I really want to say is I honestly believe that Jesus wants every single one of us to be free from baggage, free from baggage. You know, every one of us have brought stuff with us today. We've brought our baggage, our stuff. 
whether you're sitting near the back or whether you're near the front, whether you're young or whether you're old, whether you've come to church every Sunday or whether this is the first time, every one of us, we drag our baggage in with us. I don't know what your stuff is. I know what mine is. I know about my insecurities. I know about my fears, my anxiety. I know about the stuff that I'm dealing with. And I know that God wants you to deal with the stuff that you're dealing with. Maybe there's someone here and you're finding it difficult to sleep at night. Maybe there's somebody in the room and anxiety is just absolutely eating away at you. Maybe you've got some brokenness around relationships or you've got some brokenness around kind of like your life right now. And maybe there's somebody even in the room that you have had some dark and bleak thoughts. Maybe there's even somebody in the room who's been considering, you know, even thinking of suicide. Or maybe there's even someone who has known the darkest, darkest place. And you're in this room today and we've all got our stuff. We've all got our baggage. And Jesus, when he says he wants us to be free, he wants to be, us to be free from our baggage. I, um, I've done this thing a few times. I've talked about it here before, but there's this thing called XCC. It's called Extreme Character Challenge. And what you do is you go away to the highlands of Scotland and you're there for four days and you've got your tents and your, all your stuff in your rucksack and your rucksack is weighs so heavy and it's a real kind of sergeant major stuff. What they want to do is they want to ask the question, what are you like when you get tipped upside down? Turns out I'm not a very nice person. And uh, they really push you to extremes. I, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but they check your rucksack, make sure you've got, you're not allowed to have any drugs in there, no cigarettes, you're not allowed to have anything like that in there, and also no food. And I had sneaked a little bit of sorin, you know, malt loaf, does anybody know about that? And I'd sneaked it into the bottom of my sleeping bag, thinking I was being clever, and I thought, this is amazing. But the guy that was with me, he cracked under pressure, and he said, he's got sorin in his rucksack. I, all my stuff was put out on the thing. They unzipped the sleeping bag and right in the corner was the soaring. And everyone looked and was like, boo. It's like, oh. And um, basically, these rucksacks were incredibly heavy, incredibly heavy. And we had one guy on the group that was, was, was an older gentleman. He was kind of in his mid-80s and he was doing really well, but this rucksack was heavy. And we were climbing mountains every day and we were like sleeping in our tents and then up again the next day climbing in the mountains. And when we got to the very last mountain, it was a, the toughest of all the mountains. Halfway up, this old gentleman is staggering. He's really struggling. He falls down on his knees. He cannot keep on going. And this young 16-year-old lad is alongside him. And the lad comes along and says, let me take your bag for you. Let me take your rucksack. And the old gentleman's like, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep going. And then um, they stagger on a little bit more. But this older gentleman is struggling so hard because this is such a weight on his back. And then again, he falls through the ground. And this time the old gentleman says, please, please take it. 
And this young guy, because you know when you're like 16, he's got his massive rucksack on the back. He's got the massive rucksack on the front. He does not even notice he's carrying two rucksacks. When you're 16, you're not even bothered, are you? You're just like, mm, food. That's all you care about, food. Get me some food. And, you know, I realized in that moment there was an interesting thing happened was that that old gentleman had to have a point of humility where he had to come to terms to realize he could not just keep on going. He can't just keep on trying his best. He can't just keep on putting one foot in front of the other. He needed to have a moment of humility where he said to the young guy, please take, take my burden. You see, Jesus comes to every one of us in Matthew chapter 11. It says, cast your burden unto Jesus. You've got to have a moment of humility, friend, where you say to Jesus, take my weight, take my burden, take my stuff. Some of you are wanting to go out from this room and you're wanting to be like, I'm just going to plow on. I'm going to try my best. I'm just going to do my best. I've got this. I've got this. And here's a Scottish guy coming to say today is that when are you going to have that moment of humility that says, Jesus, I need you to take my burden. I need you to take this. I know what I'm struggling with right now. I had a little tear earlier on in the worship because I know what I'm struggling with. And again, I came to that moment of saying, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. However amazing I think I am, I go through those doors, I can't do this on my own. I need that moment of humility where I say, Jesus, would you take my burden? And what about you today, friend? You know, you, you, you're struggling with that anxiety. You're struggling with that depression, suicidal thoughts, or you're struggling with that eating disorder or, or whatever it is that you're going through. And it'd be so easy for you to plow out of here saying, I've got this. I can do this. No, Jesus is saying to every one of us, can you have that moment of humility where you say, Jesus, take my burden. Take my weight. Take my stuff. And you know, it was one of the most beautiful things. I was there in the moment when the old gentleman got to the top of the mountain. And there was not a dry eye amongst us because when he got there, he started sobbing. He got to the top. And I'm believing as I was praying this week about this moment that for many of us, we can have a mountaintop experience. We can have a wonderful sense of victory, a wonderful sense of being free from our baggage because we can know today that, wow, we handed our stuff over to Jesus and we were able to reach the top of the mountain. Amen. You know, when you go to London, there's a thing called the baggage drop-off point. And what that is, is that you take your cases and your stuff and you can leave it there and then enjoy everything that London's got to offer. And wow, God has got so much for you, so much for you to enjoy that you need to come and bring your baggage to the baggage drop-off point, which is the cross where Jesus died on the cross and you can leave your stuff at the cross and enjoy everything that God has got for you. Wow. Not only does Jesus want us to be free from baggage, but he also wants us to be free from restriction. Free from restriction. I wanted to tell you about my mate called Terry. Terry, um, Terry was got a business trip. He was absolutely buzzing. 
because he got this wonderful business trip. And basically, he was promised that it was going to be an amazing hotel. He was getting it all paid for by his business, so he was so excited. He says, Mark, I, I'm really up for this. It's not, it's not just like one of those rubbishy kind of, we've all stayed in rubbish hotels, haven't we? We've all, we've all stayed in pretty dodgy kind of, oh, the toilet doesn't work, the TV doesn't work, the bed doesn't really work. Um, it's like, oh, we've all been in them, but, you know, this was like an absolutely fancy hotel, and he was so happy. He said to me that he got into the foyer and he's looking around the foyer thinking, I could sleep in the foyer. It's so beautiful. Yeah, have you ever been in one of those where it's like, ah. Oh. And he says he got in the lift and he's going up to his room and he's just absolutely excited at the thought of this beautiful room. And he gets there and he puts the key in and he gets in and then he is bitterly, bitterly disappointed. He's looking and it's the smallest room. It's so small. It's tiny bed, tiny little telly, tiny little bathroom. He's looking around and he's absolutely gutted. I said to him, well, surely you went back downstairs and you complained. He went, I was so gutted. I thought, stop it. I threw my bag down. He says, I got into the bed. My legs were too long for the bed. Now, my dad is five foot one. And when I told him this story, he says, I dream of having a bed. That is, <laughs> he's never had that, yeah? But, you know, Terry's devastated. He's uncomfortable in this bed. And then he wakes up in the morning and he's looking around and he sees the door of the bathroom. And then he sees his door to this cupboard and he thinks, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he thinks, hold on, is it a cupboard? And he gets up and he just pushes this door, expecting it to be a cupboard. And it's actually the doorway into the master bedroom. He had slept in the child's annex. He'd been in the child's annex the whole night. And now he's looking in the master bedroom and there's the big, huge double bed. There's the massive telly. There's the wonderful, beautiful bathroom. I says, what did you do next? Because I know I would have just started to cry, yeah? I would have just started sobbing slowly to myself. But you know, I was so fascinated by this because, you know, I wanted to tell you, friends, is that, you know, for so many of us, we're living in a place of restriction. We're living in a place where we're making do. Life's just about kind of contorting ourselves around our circumstances. Some of us have outgrown our situation, but we're kind of in this limited season. We're in a place where we're just trying to make it work. And I wanted to say to you, friend, is that, you know, one of those doors that you can see, the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door, Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters in by me, he shall be saved. Wow. Do you know what, friend? You've maybe looked at that door and you've maybe thought, oh, that just leads to religion. That just leads to boring Sunday stuff. That just leads to kind of being a good person. I want to tell you, friend, that that is not what any of those things lead to. Jesus is the door that leads to a life of absolute abundance and blessing and wonder and goodness. Hallelujah. 
Jesus has got a door that you go through and suddenly there is destiny and there is life and there is hope and there is peace. Suddenly it's like, wow, all of these things were available to me if only I had come through the door called Jesus. And friend, wherever you are sitting right now, I want to say to you that, you know, this is available to you. And you can spend the rest of your life contorted, living in a life that's just a bit restricted and a bit limited. And you can be looking at the door and thinking, oh, that's not for me. Or today you can make the choice to actually get up and go through the door called Jesus into all the wonderful blessing that God has got for you. Hallelujah. And at the end today, we're going to make an opportunity for people to respond. And you know, all I'm going to do is ask you to put your hand up and one of the team will come and put something in your hand. We'd love for you to have that free gift. I've brought them today for you to have. And you know, I want you to know that this is the beginning of a wonderful adventure. This is not life of religious boredom. Wow, I was having a really good chuckle with Mark earlier on. And we were just talking about the, the wonderful blessing and loveliness of life and how there's so much laughter to be had and so much joy to be had. You know, Christianity is not dull and gray and boring, but it's actually a life of absolute extravagance and blessing and goodness. And that was so wonderful. So Jesus wants us to be free from baggage. He wants us to be free from restriction. And finally, he wants us to be free from guilt. Free from guilt. I found it really amazing that I knew what I was going to be saying before I came today and, and the band started to play that about the blood of Jesus. You see, because I don't know if you've ever done this, I know some of you may have done this, but you can go on YouTube and if you've maybe spilt some red wine on your lovely white cream carpet, you can see on YouTube the right stuff to use that gets the wine out the carpet. And when you watch it, it is amazing. I love the thought of all of us going away now and YouTubing that wine out of carpet. That is amazing. Before you know it, you're finding out all kinds of things can clean all kinds of things. It's amazing. It's a proper rabbit hole that you will now go down and you'll not see your family for about four days. But the thing is, you know, amazingly, that if you use the right thing, it gets the red wine out of the cream carpet. But if you use other things, because, you know, if you just chat to your mate and you ask them, they'll tell you all kinds of stuff. They'll say, oh, yeah, what you need to use. I'll tell you what I found. If you use, yeah, and whenever anybody starts with, oh, I'll tell you what I found. If you use... The best thing to do is to run as fast as you can, yeah? Because what they're about to say is a pile of nonsense, yeah? Oh, yeah, if you use camel hair, use camel hair, yeah? It's very hard to get hold of, but use camel hair on your carpet. But, you know, it is powerful when you see this cleansing product working. And we have sung about the ultimate cleansing product. You see, because every single one of us has got a stain on our heart called sin. Every single one of us is stained. 
And I promise you, my friend, that stain will not come out going to church every Sunday. That stain will not come out by you being a good person or by being a better person. However, whatever anyone's told you, you can try and you can make it and you can apply it and you can try your best with it, but it will not cleanse the stain on your soul. The only thing that will cleanse the stain on your soul is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died on the cross so that you could be completely clean. Hallelujah, today I can stand before God absolutely free from guilt. I can embrace God. I can call holy God who has never sinned. I can call him father. I can call him friend because Jesus died on the cross and the blood of Christ washes me whiter than snow. Hallelujah. And friend, I can remember the moment when I said, Lord, I want this. I want to be completely and utterly clean. I remember holy, holy God, powerful God. I can be your friend. I'm grubby and I'm messed up. And it's all a bit weird because I have sinned. And I have done stuff that I'm not proud of. And I have done stuff that I'm ashamed of. But I'm so thrilled to know that the blood of Christ washes it completely clean. You see, I don't know if you've ever seen that thing that we used to give the kids when we were, they were little, and it was called Etch-A-Sketch. Does anyone remember this? And you know the kids would try and draw stuff. I mean, that is the worst thing in the world for a parent, when your kid comes running through with something they've just drawn, and you've got to try and think, what? in the world is that have you ever had that your kid comes running up and saying daddy daddy look what i've drawn and you're like wow as you're how a rocket i don't know what it is and your kid's like going oh daddy it was a picture of you you're like oh and you just look at your kid and go try harder and uh you don't. That was a little joke at the end. But, you know, they have all these efforts and they try their drawings. And then there's that moment where they etch a sketch and you're just able to wipe it completely clean. And, you know, friend, I don't know if maybe one or two musicians could come and help me. But, you know, what I want to say to you is we try our best and we do our stuff and we have a go. And it's like all of that's there. But the wonderful thing is, is that like sometimes it's a bit of a mess. And I know that there are people in the room and you're a good person and you've done good, but you know that it's a bit of a mess. And I want to say that when Jesus died on the cross, he came so it wipes it completely clean. It doesn't leave a little kind of, you can kind of still see the stain. It doesn't leave a kind of like, oh, it's okay, but it's kind of messed up that little bit of the carpet. You could always tell that there's something being here. When Jesus Christ's blood washes us, it is such a deep cleanse that there is no shadow of your past. 
men who have had violent upbringings are able to bring small children into the world because they're being completely cleansed by the blood of Christ. People who've had addictions that it should have taken them years to get sorted have been completely transformed by the blood of Christ. What washes us whiter than snow but the blood of Jesus. I wonder, friend, if we could just bow our head in the presence of God. And today, the Lord has come and is in this place. He says, I want you to be free from baggage. I want you to be free from restriction. I want you to be free from guilt. And what I'm simply going to do is this. I'm going to pray a really short prayer. And I'm going to ask that you would pray that prayer today. Don't say it out loud so people can hear, but just pray it in your heart. And then I'm going to say amen. And I'm going to ask us to keep our heads bowed for a few more seconds. And as your head's bowed, I'm going to say, if you prayed that little prayer, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand. And wherever you are, as you lift up your hand, one of the team will come. They'll just stick one of these books into your hand. You take it, put it under your chair. I want you to have that. Why don't you pray this prayer in your heart with me now? Oh God, I'm sorry about the mess. I'm sorry about the stuff. Thank you that you sent Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes me whiter than snow. I receive your cleansing now in Jesus' name. Amen. As our head stays bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you just to raise up your hand. One of the team will come. And they will put this book in your hand. One, two, three. That's wonderful. Thank you, team. Please just keep your hand up. The team will do their best to go as fast as they can. That's fantastic. That's really great, guys. Appreciate that. Just a few people here. That's really good. Just lingering while people are responding to Jesus. Thank you, Lord for people around the room responding to you today. We thank you for the power of the blood and we pray over every one of us today that we would be completely and totally clean. We pray the freedom of coming through the door called Jesus, that we no longer need to live in a place of, of living under our circumstances sleeping in a bed that's too small for us, living in cramped conditions Oh, I've got a prayer on me now, friends. I wonder, before I hand back to the band, if we could stand in the presence of God. Because I've got a prayer over our lives. If you feel comfortable, I ask you to raise your hands up towards God. Because my prayer is simply this.
that oh Lord that we would not live a life of restriction that we would not live a life living under our circumstance that we would not live a life that is cramped by our situation and our problem and our challenge but that we would come through the door called Jesus and that we would live in a place of abundance that we would know what it is to live in a place of blessing that we would know what it is to live in a place of goodness a place where oh Lord all your blessings are pouring on our heads we pray health and goodness and joy and loveliness over every one of us in the name of Jesus amen and amen hallelujah